0: quarter to three games podcast for mid-September 2016. My name is Tom Chick and my game of the week is not League of Legends.
1: Hi, I'm Alexandra Holloway and my game of the week is not One Night Ultimate Werewolf.
0: Oh, you did a board game. I thought by I thought by picking one of the video games that you've actually played and know, I would stump you by taking away what you could pick as not your game of the week uh but you tricked me
1: it's not a board game it's an app
0: oh it's that it's that as well right yeah okay so i guess it does have a video game component doesn't it actually so this so alexander holloway we're going to talk about identify that piece of music
1: that is from don't starve
0: (laughs) and you've probably heard a lot of that music i have before we get to that though and before we talk about you briefly uh I don't think I have you on record for your five, or no, three, because it's only three. And I'm not going to hold you to this permanently, because you're having to think of it off the cuff. Most people get, you know, a couple of days to think about it. You are on a boat, okay? You're on a giant ship, and this ship is transporting every known board game of all time uh, to some distant port. And you're riding there with a bunch of your friends, and your friends will play any board game you want to play, and they're good at the board games that you want to play. Uh, so when this ship runs aground and starts to sink, you only have time to take three of the board games off of this ship onto this desert island, where you're going to be stranded for many, 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 many years with your friends, who, as I said, they'll play any game you want. Uh, they're, they're good at all of them. Uh, what three games are you going to rescue from this ship? And only three. Me. Now, I'm not asking you... Just think of one. You don't have to think of all three of them. But what's an example of one? Because I have a, a document here where most of my friends, I have their games listed. And I don't have you on this. And I've known you for, I don't know, 10, 15 years or so. So I don't know why you're not on this list. What's one game that might be on that list?
1: Uh, well, are my friends... What kind of friends are on this boat? Are they... Are they?
0: All of them. All of, all of
1: friends? them. Yeah. Uh,
0: so it's not the sort of thing like where, oh, I can only play this game with that person. You know, it has nothing to do. Like, whoever you would want to play the games with, that person is shipwrecked with you.
1: Well, we've had great uh, games of Quartermaster General, which is a six-player game. Um, that's a smart game. I don't know. Smart. It's smart. Um, Star Realms. I've been playing that for a couple of years now, and I haven't gotten bored of it. Hey, yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh,
0: okay. All right.
1: Uh Jeez.
0: No, those are those are two good picks. I'm okay with that. Alright, I'm gonna put you down for those. If you need to change this at some point you can. And then at some other point, I'm gonna need your third one.
1: Alright. Okay. I've got homework. I'm writing that down.
0: So Star Realms and Quartermaster General. Now, can I uh can I throw at you a little bit of a gender stereotype and see how you would bat it back at me?
1: Gender. Alright. Let's see. Yeah.
0: Girls don't like games about World War II. That's like a nerdy man dude thing. Like with because you're moving armies around and you're you're you know playing uh, Molotov ribbon trap packs and you're you're fighting on the Eastern Front and you're you're the, you're Japan doing the Pearl Harbor raid. And why would you like something like that?
1: There you go. That's a good point. Maybe if they made the cards pink, more girls would play this game. <laughs> I've got a joke for you. You want to hear a joke?
0: Yeah, I do want to hear a joke. Uh, how? Wait a minute, is this dirty? Because this might be a family podcast. <laughs> you know I might get embarrassed if it involves like. No,
1: I heard this at work. Um, okay. How does uh, how does a mansplainer get water?
0: Oh, I love where this is going already. I, I don't know. How does a mansplainer get water?
1: Oh, well, actually...
0: I don't get that one. I feel bad. Because <laughs> feel...
1: that's how how the mansplained comments usually start. Is well, actually.
0: Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay, I didn't realize that there was a pattern to mansplain. There was like a template for mansplaining. So okay. Now, do people at work get that?
1: Uh, the, the ones I work with, yeah. yeah uh, okay. I, I work in a in a fantastic environment for women. Um, well, for, for anybody actually. So a lot of people get that, and they 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 find it funny which is good.
0: Well, okay, then let's talk about where you work. Um, do you, whenever I do something dumb, uh, people will say something about where I went to school. Cause I went to like an Ivy league school where people are supposed to be smart when they go there. When you do something dumb, do people make a comment about how you're like a rocket scientist ever? Is that ever? <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, quite a bit. Uh, come yeah. on, this isn't rocket science. You can figure this out. Right.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Uh, now how do you, you're not technically you're not technically a rocket. I'm scientist, not a propulsion engineer. Work? Very good. Oh my gosh! Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well put. Uh, I know all these things, so it's a little weird for me to ask. But I'm going to you have to pretend that I don't know these things. The folks listening may not know these things. So where do you work, Alexandra Holloway? I work
1: at Jet Propulsion Laboratory. I'm a software engineer. Uh,
0: Real quick, what is the difference between JPL and NASA? Uh,
1: JPL is one of the NASA centers in the U.S. We're uh, one of five centers, and we're run by Caltech uh, University of, what is it, uh, California University of Technology.
0: And when you say one of the NASA centers, you're also talking about things like, just like Houston, Cape Canaveral, like that? Are those NASA centers, and JPL is one uh, of
1: them? Houston, sure, yeah. Um, there's one in Alabama. There's... Headquarters in New York, NASA Ames up in California, in the north part of California.
0: Wait, NASA's headquarters is in New I'm York? I'm sorry,
1: I meant D.C. <laughs>
0: oh, okay, that makes sense. But uh, here's another one. NASA is in Alabama? Oh, yeah,
1: Huntsville, Alabama.
0: Oh, maybe I have heard of that. Okay.
1: Marshall right, Space Flight right. Center. That's uh, They've got space camp there. Um, they used to train astronauts out there.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, uh, what does being... Uh, I'm sorry, tell me your title again. I'm a
1: software engineer.
0: Okay. Break that down for layman.
1: Uh, well, technically, I'm a, a user interface designer. I design, um, I design things for controlling space robots. Um, mm-hmm. I work on two missions right now. I'm working with the Deep Space Network, which is a bunch of antennas around the world to listen to spacecraft that are out past the moon. And I work on the Curiosity mission,
0: So why are there a bunch of space antennas to keep track of spacecraft that have gone out beyond
1: That's a great question, Tom.
0: Yeah, I mean, why not just have one (laughs) rather than a bunch? It seems really inefficient because I know that when you've had to go on site and work on some of these, and sometimes you have to fly like way the heck across the world. That seems really inefficient. Just put one in one spot and just use that one, right? Why not do that?
1: That would work really well, uh, and actually it, it would be fine, um, for most applications because as the Earth turns, eventually you'll have this, like if you, if you launch, imagine that you launch a spacecraft, you throw like a tennis ball off the Earth and it flies off somewhere, uh, and then you've got this, this antenna on the Earth that can listen to that, to that spacecraft. As the Earth turns, you're going to not hear it, um, because the antenna's pointed the wrong way because we have three sites around the world there's one in uh California one in Madrid and one in Canberra Australia we have these these three sites are equidistant around the earth and so we can always hear every part of the sky
0: well that it seems like it would be like it, it wouldn't work if you just had the... Like, you, you would it would work, but you couldn't talk to... The, you could only talk to the, the spacecraft at certain times.
1: Exactly, day. yeah. You could only talk at so. certain times of day, and then there'd be contention over the resources. Like, everybody would want to talk to the one antenna at the same time.
0: Now, actually, what... I don't know this. Why Madrid and Canberra? Like, is there something specific about Spain and Australia? Is, is that a geographical choice? Is that a choice based on their governments somehow being more friendly like why not have it in say the UK for instance do you know the answer to that uh
1: i well part of the answer is that they're 120 degrees apart uh so it's a geographical thing um in longitude and right latitude longitude uh, (laughs) the (laughs) the ones that go up and down yeah uh and uh Part of it is that they're out in the middle of nowhere, um, so they're not going to be affecting the city, and they're not going to be affected by nearby cities. So it's not in Madrid, it's outside of Madrid. You have to drive half an hour to get to it. Um, And uh, part of it is through international agreements with the countries.
0: Okay. Now, if if I were to say to you, uh, are you aware that that if someone were to say, deep space and, and then stop with the letter N, and you were asked the average person, complete this phrase, deep space, do you know what they would say? Um. Well, so... Uh, <laughs> I, love, I don't think you know this. I love that you don't know this. Do you really not know?
1: Uh, the geek runs oh, deep is at JPL. The geek runs deep it's, it's- not, for, not for all people equally at JPL. Let's say that. Wait, wait, what? Um, let, but the, uh, well, is the answer now? But the, no. So it would be. Is the deep, answer, wait, wait what, what letter are we starting from?
0: Oh, no, it's <laughs> from the, the N. If I were to stop at the N at network, like deep space network, and I cut <laughs> off the et-work and went to the average person on the street and said, complete this phrase, deep space. N-. Of course they
1: would say deep space network. What else was
0: there? Oh, I love that. So, that's so adorable. Uh, Alexandra Holloway. <laughs> You're a terrible geek, and I I don't know. Most people would say Deep Space Nine. Do you know what that is?
1: Uh, Yeah, that's a Star Wars thing, right?
0: Oh, so close, so (laughs) close. (laughs) Uh, I don't know Star Trek, but even I know that Deep Space Nine is, uh, it's Cisco, I think. That's the captain's name. And the Deep Space Nine, it's the space station that he's on and something, something, other things. So <laughs> Deep Space Okay, here's another one. What Star Trek series begins with the letter V? Like Star Trek V, where would that go? Oh my god. I have no idea. You you nope. might you should maybe know this one by the way, because it's a it's an it's a spacecraft.
1: Uh Voyager.
0: Uh- <laughs> Very good. No, no, there's a Star Trek Voyager, Voyager. exactly. Yes. Now, you and I—I I know so little about Star Trek, so I don't. Uh, yeah, so I'm with you there, 110%. Now, what as a, as a UI interface person—that uh, was redundant. UI interface—that's uh, like Rio Grande River. Uh, as a, as a UI person, what do you do for uh, the Deep Space Network?
1: We're trying to imagine what it's going to be like for operators to control the antennas in five or ten years. Right now they're using tools from, let's say, the 60s that have been a little bit changed and updated, let's say, in the 90s. Uh, And the way that operation is done is much different now than it was, and it's going to continue to change.
0: Is this an avionics thing or strictly a representation of data thing? Uh, Does this have anything to do with, like, the prevalence of, of like glass interfaces with an, an iPhone and touchscreens and stuff, or is it more like here's how somebody would navigate information?
1: It's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of the commanding. Uh, how do you tell antennas what to do? And that could be with a touchscreen. That could be with a with a watch. I don't know. Um, that could be with dials. And it's a little bit of um, of making sure monitoring, making sure that antennas and spacecraft are are playing well together, uh, making sure they're doing the right thing.
0: Now, the fact that you do this for your work, does it affect how you might look at things in real life, like, say, a, a video game or maybe the controls on a computer or something?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, actually playing video games is what got me into doing user interface stuff. Um, some video games have fantastic user interfaces, and it's, it's a delight to work with them. And then sometimes, like uh, in World of Warcraft, for example, you can't get by without getting a mod, right? <laughs> well, I guess you could get by. But it's, a, it's, it's, a, a pain it's a pain, right? You can't get to the functions that you would be normally using. You can't get to all of the items in your in your in your inventory unless you have, you know, uh, th- back in the early days anyway, unless you have a mod that will put more boxes on your screen for you.
0: Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, where in it, other than video games, can you give me an example of where in real life that might uh, that might rear its head for you?
1: Um, driving. Driving's a good one. There was mm-hmm. this thing recently with, um, was it the Jeep that that was killing people?
0: Um. A Jeep that was killing. <laughs> this sounds like a horror movie. What is this? Uh,
1: the, uh, the shift lever, the shift lever was. Oh the
0: right, thing right, where right. It would right. like right.
1: snap back to the middle, and you couldn't tell if you were in drive or if you were in reverse or if you were in park because it was all it would always just go right back to the center. That's a terrible user interface. That's terrible design. Um, the cool thing.
0: You're making me sad because you know who? Do you know who someone is who died from that?
1: Uh, yeah, the guy from Green Room, right? Yeah, Anton
0: Yelchin. Oh, so so sometimes user interfaces are so bad that they literally kill people. I mean, that's being dr- dramatic about it, but it's true, right? Yeah. Right. it's
1: absolutely true. And we, you know, the, one of the sayings in user interface design and human factors, uh, generally, is that um, that there's no such thing as human error. It's not user error. It's it's poor design.
0: Mm-hmm. If a
1: if a, human can make a mistake it's because the thing wasn't designed right
0: now uh, just to to lighten the mood a little bit uh, the one that I pointed out to you and I love that you are someone that knows this uh, on my oven here at home there's one command for the light and another command for the fan and the fan which is supposed to be like wind blowing it looks like sun rays to me like it looks like the symbol for like light coming out of a light source and that to me is like a user interface failure. It, like which one is representing uh, light and which one is representing wind? Wind should be little wavy lines above each other, and not like things radiating out of a central source. Uh, so that it's because of you that I think in those terms.
1: By oh, the way. fantastic! I'm glad to have had some impact. But the, the thing <laughs> yeah, is about this... about your oven. It's the chance. Like if you if you actually make that mistake, it's not going to kill you. So it's not that.
0: Right, <laughs> but it does make me every morning when I'm making breakfast. I have to. Oh, which is the light? Like it, it it's it's like a, a snag. It, it it catches me up every morning, and that's you know a nanosecond that I could have used doing something else. Right. So it, it's wasting my time. Thanks, Amana, or whoever it is that makes my. Head.
1: <laughs> There's this great use, uh, design book. Um, it's an uh, introductory design book um, called "Don't Make Me Think," by Ah, um, and it, it basically he says that if you have to stop and think about what button to press or where to go or where to put your mouse, uh, then the
0: interface is bad. Um, I love that. Don't make me think. That is yeah. awesome. Uh, and that's something because as someone who writes about video games, that's something that I definitely pay attention to and that I'm, I'm aware of is what, what video games, in what games, in the way the language I think of it is don't get between me and the game. Don't get in my way. You know, if I'm not thinking about you, if I'm not aware of you, that's a successful interface, uh, a transparent interface, one that I'm not even conscious of. Yeah. Uh, tell me what you do with Curiosity.
1: I just joined the Curiosity mission. I do downlink analysis for the data management team, uh, which means that every day we come in and we make sure that Curiosity is healthy, behaving well, and that all of the... Data that we expected to get down, we actually got down um, yeah that that the memory is healthy basically
0: so this this kind of language you're using about curiosity uh, about being healthy uh, it, there, there's a certain degree of kind of anthropomorphizing this 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 probe this ship this object this tool uh, is that something that I, and I can imagine that would be done to put a public face on it of course to uh... make to encourage people to follow it uh, to make science exciting for kids or whatever to give people kind of an emotional hook is that something that you guys naturally feel at jpl or does that have to be cultivated this this sense of this is almost an entity about whom i care uh... almost emotionally in a way and and i think of as a, is curiosity he or she by the way <laughs>
1: well, it-
0: like when you talk about pronouns, does curiosity get a, a gender-specific well, pronoun? Curiosity
1: is, of course, a she because she's a spaceship, right? And ships are women.
0: Okay, okay. Are you, Actually, I, are, now, are you being facetious or really? like that's So when people talk about curiosity, sometimes they'll say she.
1: Uh No, well... Uh, I don't know. It's really funny you say that because I actually, the the language that I just used, I was using, saying things like healthy when normally I would say curiosity is performing nominally.
0: Uh, (laughs) Oh my gosh, you are a cult scientist. You were just putting out an act for me. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: was trying to be more human. Um, And uh, yeah, I, I think there's a little bit of both. I think there's a lot of anthropomorphizing of curiosity to make curiosity more more real to the people who work on it and to the public. Um, there's this great Twitter account called um, Sarcastic Rover, oh, yeah. which is this, it's it's a it's hilarious. It's this this guy is not even affiliated with the mission who uh, tweets sarcastic things that Curiosity might have said on Mars.
0: <laughs> uh, what's an example? What kind of things is Curiosity sarcastic about?
1: Um, uh, about the terrain. You know, here I am sitting on this giant rock. Great day in paradise. Um, it tweets pictures like a, a picture of its of the, the uh, RTG, the um, the generator, the power plant that's on the back of Curiosity. Um, a picture of that with something like, um, well, here's a picture of my butt. <laughs> Not endorsed by NASA.
0: Um, right, of course, right. <laughs> Uh, So uh, now you say you're you're working on it. How can you have two jobs at once at JPL?
1: Most people in my group, which is the Human Interfaces group, uh, have two jobs. Uh, They work on two projects at the same time. Uh, A lot of folks actually work on more than two projects at the same time.
0: And to hear you talk about it to me in the past, it almost sounds like this kind of cool campus thing where where you sign up for classes. Like don't you have some say in terms of which projects you work on? Like you get to Kind of pick and choose in a way, don't you? You get
1: some say. Um, but some of it is, is co- coordination with your your manager. Some of it is landing your own projects, and, uh, like like getting a grant or something. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a little bit of uh, uh, leeway in what you can work on.
0: And being added to the curiosity, like getting to work on curiosity, that was something you wanted, right? That wasn't something where your boss came up to you and said, Holloway, we're putting you on curiosity.
1: <laughs> no, no. I thought that out. That was so exciting for me.
0: Why is curiosity exciting?
1: Well, it's a flight mission. Um, it's a flight project. It's considered to be in flight even though it's on the ground. Um, it's uh, it's doing in really interesting science um, and it has... Great technical challenges and technical constraints. So it's uh, it's just brain food. It's great.
0: Uh, What uh, when you uh, when when you go into like what sort of stuff are you dealing with that Curiosity is sending back? You're talking about this data. Like Curiosity landed. It sent us pictures. Uh, It's basically done, right? What else can we get from it? We don't need anything else from it, right?
1: Uh, what do you? We don't need anything else from it. What do you mean?
0: <laughs> yeah, we got a picture of Mars. It's it's done. Mm-hmm. We can shut it down, right? I'm basically saying like it's an ongoing thing. I'm, I'm uh, it's an ongoing thing. We're still getting like new information, new pictures from it, right? Oh like, yeah, it's, it's this yeah thing.
1: definitely. It's, yeah. we're we're still doing new science. We're we're learning new things about Mars every day. Um, it just we just uh got in a, a mission extension, so we're gonna have two more years of Mars. Um, and we're still discovering new things about this lake bed that we're in in Gale Crater and driving up to Mount Sharp um there's all these all these different interesting layers on the mountain and we need to figure out how those layers got there
0: why would something be called a lake bed like is there is it verified that there was water oh yeah
1: yeah there was there used to be um there used to be water and we don't know where it went um and we don't know how these different different layers formed. Um, each of the layers of the of the lake bed has to have very specific conditions of the water and uh, atmosphere. Um, so that's that's what the scientists are are trying to find out with their instruments.
0: And you say it recently got a two year extension. Mm-hmm. Uh, from whom and what kind of extension? Like what it, what, what does this mean that it got a two year? Oh, extension?
1: from Congress. Uh, it means that Congress is funding. The Curiosity mission for another two years.
0: So, uh, if, it, if it hadn't gotten this, the, the JPL would have stopped following Curiosity, like they would have. They would have
1: had to figure out a different funding source or shut it down. That's right.
0: Does JPL get funding from places other than than Congress, other than the U.S. government?
1: Uh, there are some projects that are funded externally um, through uh, through partnerships with corporations um okay like for example the hololens uh the microsoft hololens project and um there's a group on lab that's that's uh putting the mars terrain that curiosity like curiosity takes all these different pictures and they can put this into the hololens and you have this experience of, of walking on mars and doing science on mars um that that's funded through a partnership with microsoft for example
0: what is your take on this vr stuff because i personally as a guy who- talks about video games i think it's a it's a silly boondoggle but uh that's just with video games uh i presume you have a slightly more optimistic take on its uses and its viability right
1: well there's a distinction between vr and ar augmented reality where you can see part of the you know the the the, we where you can overlay parts of whatever it is you're looking at onto your own environment
0: is that what Hololens is? Hololens
1: is, is augmented reality, right? Um, okay, right. So, uh, I mean, it's it, yeah, yeah. It, I think it's really strong for certain things, um, like for example, getting a bunch of scientists together into a room and, and and putting them into Mars together and having them talk about, you know, where are we going to drive? What are we going to see? What are we, you know, what what should we expect from this terrain, or from this observation, or from this sampling? Um, which is much different than the way science was done before these capabilities, which is, you know, you look at these panoramic photographs and you can't tell left from right because it's a 360-degree panorama that's been splayed out in a long photograph. Um, which way is left? Which way is right? And you got you have to coordinate somehow, and it's really hard.
0: That's like how, yeah, how information is displayed, which is very much about what you exactly. do. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Uh, today, we're recording on a Friday afternoon. Why aren't you at work, Miss Holloway?
1: <laughs> uh, a lot of folks at JPL are on the um, 980 schedule, which is where you work nine-hour days to make your 80 hours, and then you have every other Friday off, which is today.
0: Yeah, so it's like a snow day, kind of.
1: It's like the day or, that you get like to a- do all of your laundry at once instead of spacing it out throughout the week.
0: (laughs) Right. Uh, So you also, um, so you've been, I guess I didn't mention this before, uh, you've been a member of the Quarter 3 uh, community under the name FIRE for a while. uh, And amongst many other things, one of the the things folks know you for is running a secret Santa program uh, over the last few years. Explain what this is and why on earth you would go to the bother of coordinating it. <laughs> Secret Cuz it can't be easy. I mean, you get you set up a Google Doc. You have probably got people emailing you like, "Oh, wait, change this or change that or oh, I can't ship here" or who's like like it's got to be a pain in the butt in a way.
1: <laughs> it's a delight every year. This is our 10th Secret Santa. Can you believe that? We've been doing this for 10 years now.
0: I can't I can't think of any uh, yeah, everything I can't conceive of things, like when you talk about like crazy high numbers that are like statistics, anything over like three years to me just seems insane. (laughs) Anything that's like, yeah, so no, I can't believe it's 10 years. I feel that that, I feel you've invented that. I feel like it's maybe been tops four
1: years. (laughs) It does feel that way, but we actually have threads for each of these, each of these years. Um, Yeah, so Secret Santa is is a gift exchange where you are paired with someone else at quarter to three and by paired i mean you you get assigned someone else at at quarter to three and
0: you, you don't get to pick you don't, you don't get to choose it's random
1: well yes it it's it's all pseudo random um and i'll explain that in a second um okay you get assigned somebody and they get assigned somebody else so it's not like you have a pair um and the two of you swap gifts it's that You, you're assigned somebody and you don't know who got, who got you. Um, and you're supposed to, uh, procure a gift for this person. A lot of people, uh, go out and, and, you know, do a little research about, about who they've received and, and, um, and get really, uh, and gifts that that are actually tailored to that person and some people just uh some people choose things that they might like to receive and they send those things or you know here's some some music that I really liked this year so I'm going to send that along or here's some books that I love um And uh, and so the reason it's it's pseudo random is because um, the way that that I match people, um, I have to sort people by like bucket people based on on where they want to ship. So um, if there's, you know, five people in uh, in somewhere in Europe and there's 25 people somewhere in the US and and 10 of those only want to ship within the US and the rest can ship anywhere, then then you have to do a little bit of of management of uh, who gets who.
0: Now, do you just, like, sit down and decide who gets who, or is there some sort of randomness involved? Like, is there some random number generation, or do you just roll a die? How does this work? The
1: first few years, I rolled a die. Uh, (laughs) I actually had a D20. uh,
0: (laughs) No, wait a minute. That's what I was going to ask. You own a D20. Why do you have a D20? (laughs) Uh,
1: I used to play Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition, and I still have my dice from when I used to play. (laughs) Um, so I used to do it with D20s, and, and then um, I, I started assigning numbers. Um, so every participant gets a number, and then I match people up by number so that I have no idea who got who. Um, and I still do that. Uh, I, I've moved to doing it electronically now um, instead of on paper. So, but it's still I, – I try to keep myself out of the process so I don't know who got who. Um, and, but unfortunately, this resulted in the past couple years with some folks being paired with their roommates –
0: I have no idea what you're on. About.
1: <laughs> In fact, that happened twice, <laughs> and uh, and I even asked. Oh, that's roommates. right. I'm
0: even, yeah, right, right. Wait, you, you. We were not supposed to do. So, for the record, I live uh, my, with my my friend Christian Marosky, uh who uh, and I got no. He got me two years ago, and then last year I got him. Now, were we not supposed to do
1: that? Well, I. I I asked you guys to please let me know if you got your roommate. <laughs>
0: oh, right. right. <laughs> but I needed you. to get him, I needed to get him back. So it was, yeah, I was not about to, <laughs> to
1: give
0: that up. Uh, uh, this, this opportunity. Yeah. This was a wonderful opportunity that I wanted to take advantage of. Right. Right. Uh, and plus it let me get things for the house that, that we needed around the house. So it was like, <laughs> I could get things for me as well. Uh, so, okay. So you, you do try to like jigger certain things to keep them from happening. Uh, you, you want to make sure. How many folks do we tend to have who aren't just here in the U.S.?
1: Uh, unfortunately, last year there weren't very many, so it was difficult to do the pairing in a way that that made sense.
0: Um, I, I mean, did a lot of people say, "Oh, I don't want to ship out of the U.S."?
1: A lot of, yeah, there was there was quite a bit of that, which is fine, um, uh, because I'll I'll ship internationally, and I know a few other people will as well. So it, well, we have enough we have enough to cover the bases. Um, but what what happened I think what's been happening is that fewer and fewer people f- from Europe want to ship outside of Europe and fewer and fewer people in the U.S. want to ship outside the U.S. because it is more expensive. Um, the, right. the value of your gift doesn't change, but the value of your package changes significantly. It's very expensive. So the, the problem then is pairing people within Europe that haven't had each other yet.
0: Ah, right. I see. Right, right. Uh, now, what if people want to participate uh, this year? What if someone's listening, because you're listening in a way you're a part of the Quarter to Three community. You're listening to this podcast, even if you don't participate in the forums. If someone wanted to participate in a Quarter to Three Secret Santa exchange, how would they go about that? Please
1: participate in the Quarter to Three Secret Santa gift exchange. Um, there's a thread in the Quarter to Three forum under games, and I think it's been stickied or pinned. Mm-hmm. It's up at the top um, and there's the first post has the instructions on how to participate and you can post in the thread and say that you're in and uh, we'd love to have you.
0: What are some examples of some of the best uh, gift givings that, because then people, by the way, after they receive their gifts and open them, they post, hey, here's what I got, um, look, look how cool, a lot of times they'll take pictures, sometimes they'll take pictures of them or their kids opening the gift or something, which is really precious. What are some notable gift exchanges or givings that have happened uh, while you've been doing this?
1: Oh gosh. Um, Well, I'll talk about myself. Uh, I received
0: because that's actually what I was thinking of. I love yours and what's become where it's gone. Go (laughs) ahead.
1: Uh, One of the, I think maybe the first year that I played, um, or maybe I don't, I don't remember. Maybe it was the second year. Uh, I received a couple of towels. Um, bath towels, and they were—they're—they're they're just these regular bath towels, but they're super soft. And I've been actually using them every year until this year when they started getting a little smelly, uh, and then I stopped using them.
0: Oh. <laughs> I guess they have a shelf life. That's yeah. okay. Sure.
1: Uh, but they—they they did last. What if if, I mean, if it was year one, then they lasted nine years. Um, I got a model of uh my. My favorite car ever that I ever owned uh, or drove in, um, which was a fantastic bit of cyber stalking. I have no idea how my Secret Santa figured that out. Uh,
0: what is your favorite car ever that you've That heard? I've
1: driven? It's a BMW M3. From- oh, I actually
0: know what that is, Alexandra. From, from racing games, like, wow, I can't, did I know this about <laughs> you? Uh, in a racing game, like, that's a good, reliable, like, you always start with something stupid like a Ford Escort or a... Bulk, so I can Golf or something like that. Uh, if you can get to a BMW M3, like that's a good mid-tier car. Before you start getting into these really silly, pointless, like Italian supercars that mean nothing to me. I have no frame of reference for that. But a BMW M3 is like an awesome car. That's not what your current car is. Is, is uh, no, no, that's not an it's M3. Not. Okay, is an M3 still a, a BMW? That they is that something that still gets made? they still M3s. yeah,
1: they still make them. Uh, they're out okay. of my price range. You know what the last racing game I played was?
0: I don't. You, I don't. What racing games have you played, or what's the last one at least? It's called Stunts.
1: It's from what? the nineties.
0: <laughs> First of all, it sounds like this is not racing. This is stunts. But,
1: uh... <laughs> uh, and it's a it's a track building game. You.
0: Oh, like okay. So you design so, a
1: track, and then you can you can take your car over your track.
0: And are these crazy tracks that like have? Like loop de loops. Oh yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. And you can,
1: yeah, you can, you can make a regular track with just flat parts, um, which I would do and see which car could go the fastest. Uh, and you can make the loop de loop things. You can make jumps. It was really fun. Was you, in,
0: you are, you are an It was engineer, in
1: the '90s, though. Tell. That was.
0: <laughs> uh, was stunts spelled with a Z at the end or an oh, S? I don't
1: remember. Are okay. you looking it up?
0: <laughs> no, no, I don't. am just, I'm just wondering when I hear, because when I hear that about a game. And if it has like crazy loop de loops, I'm wondering if, from a marketing perspective, to m- I- imply that it does crazy things, that they want to put a Z at the end, to make it not just regular stunts, but stunts. That's right. Like, you know, this is a crazy wacky game. Uh, and did it have licensed cars in it, or it just had a, it a generic regular car? I don't remember. Okay, because my, my exp- I don't know much about real world cars, and what little I do know comes from playing racing games. Like I've never had a cool car like a an M three, BMW M. You
1: have a cool car now. That thing is zippy.
0: Please. Oh my gosh. I mean it's very kind of you to say, but uh I I think you're you're just uh you're you're being patronizing. It's a terrible car. I have the most boring car in the world. It's a Honda Fit. Uh it's practical and I it's very kind of you to call it zippy, but uh it's six that's shifts. only because it's, it's great. But it is a manual, right? Imagine how pedestrian it would be if it was just an automatic transmission. Uh, yeah, thank you. I agree with you there. Uh, so, okay, so uh, the uh, you've you got a model BMW as, as one of your gifts. Uh, this isn't the one that I'm thinking of. There's one I want to see if you get to it. That's specifically, I'm, I'm hugely charmed with what became of you and your Secret Santa. Uh, I'm wondering if you can get to that. Do you know which one I'm talking about? I don't. Uh, it's, I think, in Sweden, and you've been getting a card from them, right? <laughs> Isn't there like a Swedish family? Are they Swedes, Norwegians? <laughs>
1: um, they're 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 uh, from the Netherlands. Um,
0: oh, oh, okay. Yeah, right, and you're right.
1: you're right. One of the Secret Santa uh, exchanges that that ended up with um, we have this pen pal relationship between our families. Um, my son writes letters to um, to this. Uh, quarter three members, kids, and they write letters and draw pictures back, and we've exchanged um, cards and gifts, and it's been really a great experience and uh, a wonderful relationship that formed as a result of Secret Santa. Uh,
0: and uh, the, uh, was it a matter of you being their Secret Santa or vice versa?
1: I think I was their Secret Santa, um, and okay, then right. and then he wrote a, a thank you card or a thank you note or something, and then we wrote one back, and then. Uh, And that's how it started.
0: Right. Now, uh, so you mentioned you have a son. Uh, I want to segue into the game that you want to talk about this week by uh, bringing him up. Now, your son, I'm so used to saying he's six years old. uh, He's probably like, is he older than that now? Is he seven? How old is he? Oh, yes.
1: He's a very mature seven.
0: Seven. (laughs) When does that happen? Kids get older. uh, So uh, you're seven-year-old. Tell me briefly about him.
1: Uh, He's in second grade. He likes... Uh, the color blue. Uh.
0: <laughs> I guess you can't really very well say this because it would sound like you're bragging on him, so I'll say it. I think your son is going to be excuse me, one of those people based on his mother and father. Uh, I know both of them. I, I know your son. I've hung out with him. He's going to be one of those um, devastatingly intelligent people, I'm guessing. Like, this guy is going to either... Well, I, y- Your son just amazes me with uh, the stuff he can figure out and how smart he is. Uh, and he also is into certain video games. Um, and you have found one that you can play with him, right? I have. So this is probably some, like, Skylanders thing, right? <laughs> or maybe it's like a Mario thing where you jump around on platforms and stuff, right? Like that. It's like a traditional kids game, right? But he
1: does like Yoshi's Woolly World at your house.
0: Oh, he does. Well, that is a great game. Even I like Yoshi's Woolly World, though. So, One of
1: the things that, yeah. that my son really likes is uh, learning the rules of games. Um, and he, and you've seen this when he comes over to your house and you're playing a board game. He'll stand right next to you and try to read the cards that you're holding and try to understand what's happening on the game board while you're playing a game with adults. Um, so he's,
0: he's And not really just looking fascinated. at the pieces, not, not just... Yeah, and it's not just, oh, that piece is cool. Like, he wants to know what does what and how things interact. Like, it really is like a systems, it's, it's an interest in the systems of, of the game, which I think is different from, I think, how a lot of kids might look at a, a board with little pieces on it. Uh, they would be more interested in, oh, that's a spaceship. Like I, And I love that about, about it. Like, even abstract games that I've played, he'll look at and he'll say, like, he's, he's curious about the actual systems and the interactions of the pieces. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so it was really great to find a game that could feed that, that curiosity for, you know, how does the game world act? How do the pieces of the game world act? What are, you know, what are the the evolutions of, um, in, in time or in, in whatever space, I don't know, of these different pieces and how do they fit together? Um, and the game we're talking about is Don't Starve Together.
0: Now, did he start playing Don't Starve?
1: Yeah, we played Don't Starve together. Well, we played Don't Starve together (laughs) for a while in which, um, when, before uh well i guess it started with me playing and him telling me what to do and he very quickly got frustrated with that because i i'm although i can i can go at his pace that I, i do i get things done faster um he wants to do it himself even if it goes slower because he doesn't have you know the manual dexterity or whatever uh so he started playing and then uh and then I decided, why why don't we try playing together because it's really frustrating for me to see him go so slowly. (laughs) (laughs) And he was dying a lot because he just, he wasn't getting things done fast enough. Like, you need to have a campfire by day, by the end of day one. You need to have a science machine by the end of day five, whatever. Um, Things need to be done on a specific timeline in order to survive and in order to get to the interesting part of the game.
0: Well, because, and I want to point this out for folks who haven't played Don't Starve, Don't Starve is, uh, it's not like a Die and reload thing. Like, don't starve is is very punishing in that w- when you die, you die, and all your progress you might unlock a new character, but all your progress is is gone. Um, it, it's not it, it's not like a Minecraft thing where uh, you you build things and they're always going to be there, and you can come back in in your server. Uh, like don't starve will shut itself down in a way if you fail. It has a it has a painful failure state, doesn't it?
1: It does. Yeah, uh, and I thought that was going to be a problem in the beginning because he's a very sore loser for games. Um if he doesn't come in first, he will freak out. Um but in this game he was he was fine with it. He dies, he starts again, he dies, he starts again. Um and in,
0: and I, I Now, real yeah? quick, you you say he's fine with it, but uh like certainly, I mean that 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 by design is very uh, frustrating when somebody dies. Uh was he always like that or did he just learn to accept it? Um, Like, do you remember maybe the first time when he died in Don't Starve? Was he discouraged and he had to be talked to? Like, surely he can't have just been totally fine with with dying the whole time he's been playing.
1: No, actually, it's been fine. You know, and I I think back on the games that I was playing at his age, uh, Mm -hmm. Super Mario Brothers. You die and that's it, right? You have three lives. And unless you do turtle tipping, you're done once you're out of those three lives.
0: Wait, what? Turtle (laughs) tipping? What? What is that?
1: Uh, That's... The act of jumping on a turtle when it's on a stair, on the stairs, and you you basically bounce on it. And you, it, Tom, I can't believe you don't know about turtle tipping. How did don't you get know about through Super Mario Brothers?
0: I I don't get through Super Mario Brothers. I hate Super <laughs> Mario Brothers games. They're jumping puzzles, but turtle tipping is a thing. <laughs> Wow. Okay. I'm gonna. It's. I've learned something. That's a new. That's a phrase that I've never heard. Fantastic. Before. You talk
1: to a rocket scientist and you learn about turtle tipping.
0: <laughs> turtle tipping. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So right. Those are the games that you played, and I remember. You know, asteroids, for instance, or Space Invaders. Uh, you know, I'm considerably older than you, but you put a quarter in the game and you die, and it's a micro payment in a way. Uh, you know, you lose your money when you die in the games that I used to right, play.
1: Right. Right. And uh, it's a little bit frustrating, but you just. You jump right back on the horse, right, and you keep going, and that's kind of how how it was, and that's part partly what influenced my decision to try Don't Starve Together because uh, because it was it, it it wasn't that frustrating for him, and it it didn't have these you know there was no meltdown when you die. Um, okay, right. So then when we started playing Don't Starve Together, uh, we started you know we the, he and I would would have our computers next to each other, and I would do all of the I would gather all the materials, and he would do all of the crafting uh and then th- he had to learn that no you can't eat all of the meatballs all of the time because other people will need them, so there's you know the sharing element the 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 gameplay mechanics are different when there's more people like when the hounds come instead of seeing three hounds, you're gonna see five to seven um and um
0: real quick, do you know does that scale by the number of players or is it just always five to seven? In a, in a in a don't starve together you
1: know, game. No, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how many okay. it is. Um, oh, and the other thing that he started doing is watching YouTube videos of of people doing things in Don't Starve to understand how the game mechanics worked. So he was he's he became an expert really fast in how to craft things, how to stay alive, um, how to game different parts of the of the world. Um, like for example, you can uh, you can hit a, you can go attack a beefalo Beefalo are these big, hairy, mammothy guys who are friendly. Well, not friendly. They're neutral uh, until you attack them, in which case they and their entire horde uh, will aggro on you. So you can you, you can attack a beefalo. They will all aggro, but you can run and kite this uh, beefalo all the way back to base and then build a fence around it, and then you have a pet beefalo.
0: Oh, well, what what do you do? <laughs> Is it just for, for the... the- like you can, I guess you can't milk it. Uh, is having a pet beefalo just a cute thing you can set up, or is there any functional use? There's
1: a couple of functional uses. You can shave it for wool. Um, what you can, if you trap two of these, I, I'm, I'm not actually sure. I'm kind of postulating here. Maybe they'll they'll produce offspring at some point. And in the winter, when the when food is scarce, you can kill it and eat the meat.
0: Oh, I guess that's a lot of what. The, it's a lot of the impetus behind animal husbandry, ultimately, isn't it? It's easy okay. to meat. Uh, <laughs> uh, now, these things, like, uh, do you recall the point, because this is one of my problems with games like Don't Starve, and a lot of modern video games, uh, they're, they're based around this uh, Wikipedia or YouTube video learning conceit, is that you play, and there's a certain amount of trial and error where you can figure things out, but it's almost like the game is designed... To force you to go read a wiki or watch YouTube videos, uh, you know, there's no manual with a lot of games these days. This stuff isn't explained in the game. Uh, do you recall when and how your son transitioned from having to figure things out on his own to, hey, I can learn this stuff from videos from other people uh, who, who have figured it out?
1: Yeah, for for Don't Starve, it was. There's definitely a, a plateau. Like, there, you can only get so far without going and, and looking at other resources. He started do, looking at videos when he was playing Faster Than Light, um, which is another game where when you die, you die. <laughs> it's another, I guess, uh, I don't know, would you call that a roguelike? Um,
0: well, but, yeah, permadeath, I guess. I mean, it has roguelike elements, but I think, yeah, these are these are both examples of permadeath, which, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that that's fascinating to me, the, the irony that someone who can have meltdowns when he loses a game who's having to learn the lessons that you know you can't always win when you play a game is responding so heartily to games with permadeath to games that are kind of really punishing and decisive when you lose
1: right Uh, right but they are he's not playing it to win he's playing it to learn the mechanics but at least that's how I see it maybe like if you ask him he won't he won't say, oh, no, I'm learning, you know, I'm learning the, uh, the mathematical model behind why faster than light works. No, he's going to say, yeah, I'm playing because it's fun and I want to get to the boss. Uh, well,
0: and also, I guess he's losing in a way to a system. And it's not a sense of here's a circle of people. You don't get to be the one that won. You don't get to be the, the guy who prevailed and, and gets all the points or whatever. Uh, it's Here's a system. Uh, as you learn it, you know, you're going to have to experience its fail states as well. Uh, So it sounds like that's kind of the structure with like FTL and Don't Starve, Mm
1: -hmm. right? Yeah.
0: So, okay, so you were saying, so with FTL, uh, that's where he he got to this point where he realized, that's where he got to this point where he learned, if I go to outside systems, it can help me, outside resources, it can help me navigate these systems.
1: Right, right. So then he has, you know, he he spends a lot of time thinking about uh, what to do next in our game that we play together. Um, he, He talks about it nonstop, too. Uh, and it's it's interesting because he has he has these these grand plans like, you know, what are we going to do today? Oh, we're going to build a second base over by the beefalo and, and we're going to build this thing and this thing. And, you know, we need these resources in order to build that. And then when we finally get into the game, it's basically on me to collect those resources <laughs> because his intentions are 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 good and his. His abilities are decent, but it's oh man, playing with a 7-year-old is like playing with a very friendly griefer where he's you know, he's trying all of these different things but somehow like somehow everybody dies.
0: <laughs> Can you give me an example of like when you guys had plans Things seemed to be going well, but because he was a seven-year-old, not intentionally griefing, but because it was like playing with a, a friendly griefer. Uh, can you give me an example of one of your demises?
1: Uh, oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, so we I was we were in a game together, and also we invited his dad and his uncle to play with us. So it was a four-player game.
0: That right there is your first <laughs>
1: It was.
0: Now you got four mouths.
1: Exactly, and that's exactly what happened. So we have we have one crock pot, and we are we are making meatballs after meatballs. We have tons of berries. We have tons of meat, and I'm just I'm cranking these things out, right? Uh, and we have this fire pit. We I keep putting logs on the fire. It's fine. Dad has no idea what he's doing. Uh,
0: <laughs> that's your second mistake, <laughs> by the way. It's a co-op game. Is only as good as its weakest link. You're only going to do as well as your weakest link.
1: <laughs> but but then I I noticed that that my son it keeps keeps a, so i i also built a bunch of straw rolls you know and kept them over by the fire just in case anybody needs needs to sleep you sleep to recover sanity uh but it's at a cost of of hunger so when you wake up from being asleep you're super hungry that's why there's the food right there but um I think over the course of, of one or two nights he used six straw rolls because he would get into the straw roll, then he would get bored because in in regular don't starve, you get into the straw roll, it cuts to black, then it cuts to white and you are it's daytime and you're awake.
0: Oh right. Yeah, but in don't yeah. starve
1: together that doesn't do any time dilation for you. So you go to bed and you just watch yourself lying there with no nothing to do. Your screen is like it's the user interface elements go away. There, you can't do anything, and meanwhile, the three others are running around doing things. And he would get bored, and he would. As soon as you click somewhere, you wake up, and then he'd be hungry, and he'd eat the the food, and then he'd realize he still needed more sanity. So he'd <laughs> get in the sleeping bag again, a new sleeping bag. Uh, so we ran out of food that night, and we all died.
0: Uh, <laughs> when do you remember who died first? Like, can you can you lay out for me the the gruesome final moments, <laughs> the chain of deaths.
1: Uh, uh, Dad always dies first. Um, <laughs> I, think, uh, okay. I think he went out into the darkness and got attacked by something in the darkness. He was killed by the darkness. Uh, then uncle died of starvation. Then I died of starvation. And then my son died of starvation.
0: Okay, so he was the last man standing.
1: The three of us have an unspoken rule to always do our best to keep him alive <laughs> as long as possible.
0: That's adorable, right. <laughs> uh, now, as uh, as someone who is a, a UI engineer, uh, what do you think of the interface in Don't Starve?
1: Uh, the interface and...
0: Do you have any problems with it? Like, do you do you have any using that sort of professional eye you have for that sort of thing? Uh, how do you feel about what the developers at Clay have done with the interface, presenting information, making these things accessible in Don't Starve?
1: Uh I think that the interface is well the way that the information is presented is it seems seems organic like as you were saying earlier that it, it, a good interface is one that you can't tell is there um things are pretty discoverable um one thing i noticed that with my with my kid is that the mouse, using the mouse um, to move around is really hard. I'd love it if you could use the arrow keys to move around um, because there's a lot of pointing and clicking and pointing and clicking is really hard. Um, and also we're playing on, on MacBooks, so there's the little touchpad thing and your finger gets sore Ew. after a while. Especially I've yeah, oh, got lord. the new MacBook Pro that has the touchpad where like it's got the you know, you click softly for one click and, and really mash it down for two clicks.
0: Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Okay, that sounds complicated.
1: It's, yeah, I keep mashing my finger down, and now my fingers sore, and, and I'm double-clicking all over the place.
0: <laughs> have you heard of this thing called a mouse?
1: Uh, I have. I prefer backpads, <laughs> strangely.
0: Oh, are you serious? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I guess that's what a Mac will do to someone. Uh.
1: Um, I, when, I, when I used to play video games before, well, when my son was small, uh, I would get this awful back pain whenever I used a mouse. So actually using a trackpad has been a lot better.
0: Wait, why, how would a mouse hurt your back different than a trackpad?
1: I'm not sure. Maybe I just don't use it as much now. Maybe that's part of the, part of the trackpad is that I'm not, I don't have my hand on it all the time. The mouse, you have to have your hand on it. Otherwise you, you lose where you are, I guess, or I did.
0: Okay. Um, I guess you also have your hand at a different position when you're using yeah, the mouse. Yeah,
1: off it. to the side and, like, your shoulders forward. And, uh, I mean, all, all of these things could be fixed with some, you know, well-placed ergonomics, but, of course, who's going to take the time <laughs> when you could be playing games?
0: Uh, so then uh, interface-wise, though, you do wish you could use, like, some, some more key stuff. Uh, what One of the things that I always have a problem with that don't starve, and I'm strictly a dilettante, I'm not very good at it, is the, the tabs on the left... I, and maybe I just haven't figured out what they're getting at, but I'm constantly having to look through them like, okay, where was the crock pot? Uh, where are the logs? Like, and I know some of them are super intuitive. Like, you've got the processing raw materials tab. Uh, you've got the, like, survival tab. But, like, for instance, let me ask you this. Is a crock pot under survival or is it a cooking tab? Because it's not under survival, right?
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, I mm.
0: See, because you, yeah, you don't even I know. Don't know. I mean, yeah. you, you may not know because it's intuitive to you. You kind of remember where to, to go to. But a lot of times, I'm like, okay, where was the stupid crockpot? And you can't pause in uh, Don't Starve. Like when you're looking through the menus, time is running, and a lot of times, time is of essence. It's important. You're 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 starving while you're looking through the menu. Yeah. And it's not as dire as I'm making it sound, but. That's one thing that I'm like. Okay, where's the crockpot? And time is running out while I'm having to look for it. And I was just having to look for it a few minutes ago, and I forgot. Now I still don't know where it is. Uh, you know, you're, so you're
1: totally right. Yeah, that 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 is. And I've died this way before, where I'm. I'm. It's it's suddenly nighttime. I didn't notice that it was getting to be dark, uh, and now I have to make a torch real quick. Where's the torch? And why do I have to click three times to get to it? Um, yeah. So the organization. I mean, I think I think it's it's well organized, but. Uh, but yeah, you have to remember where it is, and I don't know where any of that stuff is, and I I do have to look for it all the time, and I have to ask my son because he remembers, you know, where's the where's the <laughs> pot? um, where's the shovel, and yeah, um, and the other thing that, that that this brought up is for me anyway is that you know and can, can you remember how in World of Warcraft all of the the items that you have are are hotkeyed, you want to take a potion you hit one right, uh, and here they're not. As far as I can tell, um, if I hit one, nothing happens. Um, Wait, you can't. So uh, I would love to be able to, like, you know, if I've got, uh, I'm, I'm equipped, to sh- I've equipped a shovel, and I want to move back to the axe, and I've got the axe in the first position in my inventory. I right. want to be able to hit the number one, and boom, I'm in the axe. But that's not the case.
0: I can't. But are there really no hotkeys in Don't Starve? If there are, I'm gonna. I'm not playing Don't Starve right now. But if there are no hotkeys in it, and I'm not, and I was playing it. I would rage quit. <laughs> Yeah, because you put you drag things to the bar at the bottom, but you still have to click on them. Is that right?
1: Uh, they, things appear in the bar at the bottom as soon as you pick them up, and yes, you have to click on them, which is another thing that's difficult for my son, because um, the, the click and the click-drag and the right-click are three separate things that you can do with an item in your inventory.
0: Right, right. Uh, does your son have any problem... Killing rabbits and beefaloes.
1: He doesn't have any problem with either of those, and in fact he said that we want he wants to raise rabbits at our house now.
0: Uh to kill mm, them? Sure. No, please. To... If he sees a rabbit in real life, he's not I don't think don't starve can condition a person to actually experience a rabbit that you've raised being killed.
1: I, I don't think that he would he would kill it. I've asked him before what he wants to do with these rabbits that he wants to raise in our house, which by the way we're not gonna be doing. Uh we have
0: That's what you think, by <laughs> the way. We'll see how you resolve holding that
1: <laughs> And well if we have a strict no mammals no more mammals policy. Um so uh, but he says that he's fine with, with yeah, the, they will have babies and then we will they will grow up and then we will eat them.
0: All right. So when you get rabbits, I want to come over and visit them. Let's see. If it's rabbits you guys get. Uh no more mammals. Why? See, so there's a cat there. Uh there's a there's a child. Uh, what are the other what, what are there? Cuz you have you have a bunch of birds there. Uh and you have
1: That's it. birds and that, a cat. Okay. But that's enough for okay. me.
0: So, no more mammals. So that basically means he's not getting like a dog, for instance, or rabbits or things
1: that's like right. that. That's right. No bats.
0: That's another one. Bat bats aren't mammals. Oh wait. They are mammals. Bats, shoot a monkey. They are, mm-hmm. aren't they? Oh, I was about to be so certain about saying bats aren't mammals. I recently uh, told Christian, told my roommate, uh, Christian, uh, that eagles don't eat carrion and was wrong about that one. Sometimes I say things about the animal kingdom that are incorrect. <laughs> I about to tell you that bats are not mammals. Birds aren't mammals. Wait. No, birds aren't mammals because yeah, that's a mammal gives. uh, What part of what makes it a mammal is it live births? It's 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 young and
1: feeds them milk. Yes.
0: So a bat doesn't lay eggs. There's no such thing as a bat egg. There's
1: no such thing as a bat egg. Do you know one mammal that has a uh, a bird um, element on its face?
0: All right. I love this so far. Let's see. So it would be a beak, I presume. A mammal with a beak. Uh, uh, a squid has a beak, but that's definitely not a mammal. Uh, oh, shoot a monkey. There's this, a, a mammal with a beak. Oh, it's going to drive me crazy. Can you give me a not hint? It's not a beak. It's not a Something beak. Something well, that what a duck, duck Oh, Bill. Oh, platypus. <laughs> is that it? It's no, a no, no, bill, bill. There you go. Very good. <laughs> yeah. It's a platypus. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. It. Bill. Yeah. That's right. Uh, why does a platypus, platypus have a platypus bill? Platypus
1: is a mammal, but it lays eggs.
0: But why does it yeah. have a bill then? Yeah. Why does it why have it a regular mouth? What happened? <laughs> Good lord. Animals are weird. <laughs> uh, real quick, I want to know about your greatest triumphs in Don't Starve. Everybody remembers their defeats, but what are some of your great triumphs in terms of like how far you've gotten, uh, what things you've discovered? Tell me about some of your triumphs that you've experienced in "Don't Starve" with your son.
1: Uh, we survived a winter together, um, and not in "Don't Starve" together. And "Don't Starve" and "Don't Starve" together. I think the farthest that we've gotten so far is the winter in one of our games, and uh, and that one got a little too intense. We're taking a break from it um, because.
0: What does that? What that, does that means
1: that, mean? that resources are very tough, and uh, there's we made we we're not ready for the winter. Um, there's not enough food. For us both to survive, and especially not if other people join us <laughs> for the winter.
0: So, did you get to winter and stop playing? At right, that right. Point?
1: So that game is on. Okay. That game is paused for now. Um, but we have made it all the way through winter into the following summer in one of the games. Um, that's 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 the fun part for me is seeing you know seeing the seasons change and seeing the world evolve. Um, I guess there is an actual part of the game where you're supposed to collect pieces of the thing that lets you go to the next level, and which is even harder. Um, I'm not really into that. But uh, but if we were into that, um, I think that's called the survival mode and adventure mode. We have gotten into adventure mode, where you go in and um, into this big door. It's like a portal. And it transports you into, surprise, a new world, um, where you're supposed to collect the pieces to build... Uh, uh, what's that thing called? A teleportato that's supposed to let you co- go into the next world and then there's five of these and eventually you're supposed to be able to meet Maxwell um, so we have an adventure this, game as well
0: and this was all news to me by the way I only knew about this through, through you guys telling me about it um, what are there different worlds they're different like biomes or it's just like a reroll of the same world?
1: Uh, it's slightly modified world so there's one world that we ended up in that was it was winter. And you start with nothing. Um, so, good luck. <laughs>
0: that, yeah, that sucks. Why would you want to... I guess if you're trying to get to the end, you've got to get through that. Right, right. right. Uh, have you ever played with the... Uh, I, I know that the game came out, and part of their post-release support, they added, like, uh, caves uh, and then giants. Um, have you ever seen any of that content?
1: Yeah, uh, Don't Starve Together has has the Reign of Giants content in it, um, and it has the caves in it. And... Uh,
0: what, what are in caves? What Do you guys go down into caves or caves? I presume that's a risk-reward thing, like it's dangerous to go down there, but there's something cool down there. That-
1: yeah, I he's watched videos of it, and he won't go down. He keeps talking about how he's ready to go down there now. Um, I, so I haven't seen a cave in real life. Um, okay. But rumor has it that there's bunny men, which are scary. Um,
0: are they are they hostile, or are they just like pig men and they're indifferent to I you? don't know.
1: That's a great question. I don't know.
0: And now, what about giants? Because giants, that sounds formidable.
1: Yeah, there's there's like these boss, uh, boss things wandering around the map, and you can trigger boss encounters. And you fight fight them. them. Yep. Uh, we haven't seen a boss yet. We we saw evidence of a boss where suddenly i 'm walking around um, collecting grass for our whatever our base camp, and there's these meteors that are falling from the sky and setting things on fire and I died because I got hit by a meteor it's just
0: wait what how does that yeah. happen what's up with that it's
1: one of these one of these giants so it means one of these giants is nearby, and if I were to follow the meteors without actually getting hit by one, then I could have encountered this this uh creature and
0: God, Lord, that sounds terrible. He's making meteors fall on people around. yeah,
1: it wasn't fun. it was it's like you know when you play um uh Munchkins, Munchkins? and there's this now,
0: are you talking yeah about the, the card, card game? game and
1: there's this one card Lord, called please. Rock's Fall everyone dies. It was kind of right. like that, like, oh, well, you know, you, you you did nothing to deserve this. This is not part of the gameplay. It totally took me out of this world that we're creating. And for us, it's, I mean, for for me and my son, it's it's about creating this story. It's about telling a story. Uh, and this had nothing to do with the story, and it was really frustrating.
0: Does Don't Starve let you toggle things like that? Like, can I play, I'm forgetting the setup options with Don't Starve together, like a server, but... Can I make some super relaxed, laid back thing where it's really easy to get food and there are no threats?
1: You certainly can, and don't starve. I don't know about together.
0: Okay. Uh, how do you feel about that? Like, is that something that you guys would do when you set up games of Don't Starve, where one of you is driving and the other of you is uh, suggesting things to do? Yeah,
1: yeah, he set up games like that where it's like food is plentiful, bunnies are plentiful. Um, okay. There's lots of things to do. Uh, he, I don't think he's he tried it a couple times. I don't think he was really into it because the story becomes, you know, well, I walked around and I collected some berries and I ate them. There's no reason to progress. There's nothing, there's no, um, I guess, push-pull with the environment, right? Um, because you can just stay that, in one that, place and eat all the berries around you. Why bother exploring?
0: Right. And that that's one of the fascinating things about game design that I love is a game has to has to push back. I mean, there has to be a degree of frustration in a game. Something has to be attempting to frustrate mm-hmm. you, uh, otherwise, it it doesn't quite. And and that's a different threshold for different people. But that's a that's a that's a, uh, a definite required part of something being called a game. Uh, you know, you're not just if you're just watching a movie and then it pauses every now and then you click to continue it. That's not a game. You know, it's not frustrating you really with just making you click. I mean, that's interactive in mm-hmm. a way. But it has to be something that can either threaten for you to fail or to not make progress or for something you have to figure out. Uh, games require frustration, which I, th- I think is a little odd. Uh, and I think that's that's partly why some people don't respond to to games as much. like Are you
1: using frustration kind of like challenge? They require challenge? Is that a different way to say the same thing? Or are you saying that that you need to respond emotionally at a frustration level? Uh,
0: I would say not necessarily emotionally at a frustration level, but in the the literal sense of the word frustrate, meaning to hinder or to stop or to prevent something uh, that someone is trying to do. Um, challenge I guess is a good way to put it as well yeah uh, but but I guess challenge everybody like nobody doesn't like a challenge like challenge necessarily has a positive connotation mm-hmm. I think uh, or it's just a different way to put it but yeah you're right challenge is one way to say it but what, what part of why I bring this up is one of the best explanations of game design that I've heard is it has to be enjoyable frustration <laughs> uh and it has to be, and yet yeah, I guess challenge is a way to put that. But it is necessarily something that is pushing back at you, that's, that's actively trying to stop you, and you enjoy overcoming that, that frustration. Um, and and boy, survival games, like maybe more than any other genre, understand the frustration part, like that whole permadeath thing. Yeah. Uh, have you guys played Don't Starve Shipwreck? Shipwrecked. Shipwreck, yeah, whatever, the the naval one. Not yet. Would you recommend it? Uh, Not necessarily, because you guys are really responding well to Don't Starve and Don't Starve Together, and there's no Shipwrecked Together component. That one doesn't have any multiplayer component. But as a strictly dilettante for the Don't Starve games, I really liked how the island was like a discrete biome. Like, okay, here's this little bit. It, it, it sort of broke the challenges down for me into smaller, manageable chunks. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, let me survive this island so I can then get to the next island. Okay, now let me survive this island to get to the next mm-hmm. island. Uh, it responded, It for me, it was much more that kind of drip feed of accomplishable goals. And it wasn't so, it's, it's more guided as well. Like you clearly see, it, it's just land in Don't Starve and there's lakes and stuff. But in Don't Starve Shipwreck, it's, Okay, I need to find this island. I need to go there. It felt like much more of a kind of a guided experience. And the islands were random. I mean, they're all over the place. But you always know, okay, that's exactly where I want to go when you see an island. You're like, okay, I'm here. You know, I've hit land. I'm going to explore the coast. Uh, and I like that idea, too, of discovering new worlds in the sense of uh, of world history. Like, you sail out in the ocean, and you discover a new world, and, and you colonize it. Um, so, yeah, I recommend it, but I don't think it's necessarily any better or worse than than don't starve like if you're enjoying don't starve, I don't think there's much point to necessarily make that lateral mm-hmm, leap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. uh what um wh- so what you guys currently have the winter don't starve together game on hold uh where do you have another game going, or does that mean that don't starve together in general is on hold
1: oh no we've got we've got several to choose from uh. He likes to play as um the warrior what's her name Wigfred Wigfrid the warrior who's a carnivore she can only eat meat um mm-hmm. and uh and he likes to once you once you make a world and you make a character in the way that we're making these worlds anyway, you can't change your character um so if if I want to change who I'm playing or he wants to change who he's playing, then we have to make a new a new server but typically we stick with with the one game in progress. Um, and right now we have a game in progress where we have a base camp in this nice bunny field and then he's building another base camp up in the, uh, the beefalo area. Um, not sure what the purpose is because it's basically right nearby. But that's fine. We'll have a second base camp.
0: <laughs> oh, I see. It's like a, a base camp that... It's more like an annex of the original camp. Or something, right? <laughs> it
1: doesn't take long to get to it, yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, and what does he... Does he care what character you play? He
1: likes it when I play Wendy, who's the um, the girl who likes fire. <laughs> huh? um, he likes it. Uh, he, li- he, he and then he assigns chores to me, like go chop down some trees and light them, <laughs> uh, or l- light them on fire and, and get, get me some charcoal or whatever. Uh, I like to play Woody. I think Woody is a really fun challenge. Woody. Which one
0: is Woody, Woody is, is the
1: he? lumberjack who turns into a beaver.
0: What? I don't think I've ever seen this. He it How does he turn? Into so
1: he a has bar? an extra stat that other characters don't have, which is like the amount of wood he's eaten. At least this is in the Reign of Giants expansion. This is how how it works. And I, I like playing Woody because I just figured out how how to play him. So it's really exciting for me. <laughs> this was the same kind of challenge that he likes, where you know, how does the mechanic work? Uh, so basically, it was it's it's he's got he's got a bar, kind of like the the sanity meter. Where how much which is how much wood he's eaten um if that gets down to twenty five percent then um he turns into a beaver, being a beaver drains sanity, but he's really good at at gnawing through things, so he can take down an entire forest he can he can uh pull up roots um he's really good as a beaver at landscaping. <laughs>
0: And does he just, like, lose all his sanity and pop back into human Yeah,
1: form? when he loses his sanity or uh, or maybe even his health, he'll pop back to human form and then he'll be really upset. Or when he eats enough wood to get back to 100% in his wood wood bar, <laughs> um, then he'll he'll become a human again.
0: So eating wood doesn't uh, – does it fill his stomach or it just fills his beaver meter? Just
1: his meter? beaver meter, yeah. Okay. Um,
0: uh, the character I like to play, uh, and I don't know what her special power is. Maybe you can help me here. Who is the chick who has like her ghost sister?
1: Oh, Wendy. What
0: What does the ghost sister do? What's What is that? Abigail
1: deal? is fantastic. Her ghost sister is Abigail. Um, she can summon Abigail uh, with the flower, and Abigail follows her around like a pet, and will attack anything that attacks Wendy. Uh so it's oh. like having it's like having a tank. And then the the ghost is super strong too. Uh so when when uh uh Leon's um my son's uncle plays, he plays as Wendy and he he summons Abigail and then he can go um attack something and then have the ghost take care of it.
0: Like like spiders won't kill you. Like the ghost would, would kill spiders for yeah, you and stuff yeah. like that. And, and the ghost
1: can't the ghost can't die. So it's it's fantastic. <sighs> yeah, she's a really strong character. If you can do the Abigail summoning thing correctly.
0: And, and how do you do that? I
1: think the way you're supposed to do it is you put the flower on the ground and then you kill something in front of the flower and then the ghost appears. Or, like, you basically you want the flower to see that you're in danger.
0: Maybe? This kind of makes me mad. You know what? Not makes me mad, but... Uh, like, I, I love Don't Starve and I love... I, you know, I really like what they've done. There should be some in-game way to figure... I mean, I guess you're supposed to, like, test trial and error or... But this is exactly the kind of thing I'm supposed to read a wiki or watch a video to figure this out. Like, I wish the game would sort of breadcrumb me towards figuring that out on my own and letting that be something that I've discovered rather than I had to something that someone else had to tell me about. Because that's really cool. How awesome would it have been if the developers could have put in little clues in there to make me figure that out? How did you know about Woody eating wood turn into a beaver?
1: Uh, well, I, 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 I didn't know about the, the eating the wood thing. I had to Read a wiki for that. Uh, I did know about the turning into a beaver thing from Don't Starve. Um, he turns into a beaver at a full moon and at when 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 he yeah exactly and when he uh, chops down too many trees. Like when you when you when you interact with trees by chopping them, um, your beaver meter goes
0: down. So it's something that would just happen like it just happened to you in Don't Starve you didn't like read a wiki or watch a video to find out hey I can turn into a yeah, beaver Yeah
1: and Don't Starve it was it was it felt like it was um the the beaver meter wasn't there so it was like a hidden mechanic and oh, I kind of right. had to figure out that when I when I chop wood um I get I get some feedback that says oh this is probably this is probably going to turn me into a beaver at some point soon <laughs>
0: Like they'll say the little comment, yeah, there was, like they'll say, a, yeah, my, yeah, the right, The right, axe would right. actually right.
1: talk to you, and the ex her name is Lucy, would say things like, oh, you know, maybe you should gnaw on some wood. Um, so there was a little bit of discoverability there, but then when they added the the beaver meter, it, it just became pretty pretty okay. clear, and then I'm verified by reading a wiki. Which, you're right, it's well, like cheating.
0: It, it, what, what it does
1: feel like cheating to read a wiki about it.
0: Yeah, and it, it makes, it means the, so I was recently playing it. Do you remember Mist by any chance? Yeah. Is that ever something? So Mist was a game, and this is before, like when you played Myst, you couldn't necessarily just jump on the internet and watch a video or, or you know, Google a playthrough. Uh, Myst was something you had to kind of figure out the, the puzzles on your own, and maybe you knew someone else who was playing it, and you could talk about it and sort of share that with them. Um, but the people who made Mist have gone on, and they've made, additional games. They recently released one called uh, Obduction. It's the word abduction spelled with an O at the front. Um, and I was determined to experience this because it has a lot in common with Mist. It's a really cool self-contained uh, imaginative fanciful world that you're in. And you can make things happen. Like it responds to you figuring out what happens when you pull a lever or push a button or turn a stone around. Um, And it's super cool and super gratifying. As as I'm figuring out these puzzles, it's just about me and the puzzles. Well, I got to a certain point in abduction where I, I was just stuck. And I knew there was something that was a puzzle, and it's a grid, and you can draw on the grid. And I knew that there was something that the game was supposed to have taught me or that I was supposed to have learned. And I just spent so much time at that stupid grid And got so frustrated that it was either going to come down to one of two things. I could just stop playing abduction, or I could go online. I could Google it. And I Googled it, and sure enough, even the person that I Googled, it it was a video, uh, he didn't know what he was doing. He accidentally stumbled across the solution by just brute forcing it through different things. So I just froze the video at his solution and then did that on the grid. And it's kind of polluted the experience of abduction for me because abduction is now no longer m- only my experience. Whoever this other guy was who made this video, I'm basically playing his game now. It's almost like playing his saved game, hmm. uh, and I kind of resent that. Um, I, you know, I I wanted abduction to be just me in the game. You know, I, when I sat down to play it and it was going along so well. at at, at teaching me things and having me figure out things on my own and there were frustrating moments you know we talk about that again there were frustrating moments that I got through and they felt super gratifying and that became the enjoyable frustration but the fact that the game kind of defeated me and beat me down and forced me to look up something online uh, I've kind of fallen out of love with it and I resent that that happened (laughs) Uh, so yeah Uh, and also what I also hate and this I've since tried to figure out, okay, well, how did the guy know to do that on the grid? It's some really weird esoteric math puzzle thing. Like, you're supposed to infer some language about, uh, like, a, a four, a binary four digital system, or, like, math came up. Math that I don't know, and I don't know what to do with this stuff. Uh, and, I, yeah, I don't I don't know what binary base four numbers systems hmm. are. And that's what you're supposed to figure out with this grid, Uh so I basically flipped the the game The Bird and stopped playing it.
1: Oh, it's too bad.
0: I know. That is maybe
1: what I wanted you to do was to take a class in binary numbers or base-4 numbers.
0: I kind of <laughs> feel like I wouldn't have minded. Like, if I knew, okay, I really have to know what a base-4 number is and it relates to this grid, I wouldn't have minded actually having to Google base-4 numbers and figure out what those are and then apply them, maybe. Like, for instance, there are games that require you to, to not know, but at least look up Morse code, Yeah. right? Like, okay, yeah. here's a puzzle, and you know it's Morse right. code. Right, but you know it's Morse code is the trick. Yeah, exactly. So you go and you look up Morse code, you look up a key, and it's still you figuring it out. It's still you applying this key to a cipher. You know, you're still figuring out the puzzle on your own, uh, so I just, yeah, I think it just could have been handled differently in abduction. And I don't know if they're just assuming at this point people are just going to look things up and they're resigned to it. So they'll make things super hard uh, and sort of figure, this is a puzzle for quote, the community, the player base to figure out and then share with each other. Uh, and if that's the case, it's the same thing as like this idea of, hey, you learn how to play with a wiki or by watching a video. Uh, and I I just resist that. Um, so uh, that so all all of that is to say... I I remember having this evil flower playing as, uh, who was it, Wendy, you said, Mm -hmm. playing as the girl with the ghost sister, and having no idea what the flower did, and not really sure, like, I guess you could right-click on it or whatever, but, yeah, I would have no idea that you're supposed to put it on the ground and then do some violent act in front of it, Uh, and that, that would have been, that would have been so cool to discover, and with a few hints, mm-hmm. I think the game could have gotten me there, and it would have been so gratifying. Right, but no, right.
1: As, as Willow, the girl with the, the lighter, um, she also has a, a teddy bear, and I don't know what the teddy bear is for. No idea what the teddy bear does, uh, and I will not Google it, but the game hasn't told me. In about 20 hours of gameplay, the game hasn't told me yet what to do with this teddy bear.
0: Uh, can you, and this is just the first thing I think of, can you set the teddy bear on fire?
1: Oh I haven't tried that. Maybe I'll try that
0: I mean that's that's a terrible thing, but if she's a little she's a firebug, so maybe I don't know that would be one of the things I would try although here now here's the thing that I worry about like what if you then lose the teddy bear like is the teddy bear consumable? It
1: is consumable <laughs> you... because you can craft a new one. I have a recipe for a new teddy bear
0: ah good so yeah <laughs> maybe uh maybe maybe burn it although that's it's kind of morbid. it is
1: name, it's name is Bernie, so maybe you're right.
0: oh there's a clue right there, Alexander. <laughs> burn the teddy bear. Yeah. Uh, well, Alexandra, thank you for hanging out, talking Don't Starve with me. Uh, I hope I, – I'm really – will you and Leon ever get back into that winter game? I think so.
1: I think it's just we, we were taking a break.
0: Yeah, because I really want to know how that goes. I've never made it to winter in Don't Starve. I've never even gotten that far, mm-hmm. uh, much less survived a winter. So the fact that you've survived a winter, I'm very impressed. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Uh,
0: uh, all right, listeners, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we will be back next week with uh, another guest, a different topic. You can find me on Twitter at QT3. Do you use Twitter?
1: I do. I'm at, at Lexi Holloway. Uh,
0: so that's where you can find Alexandra. Do you use Instagram? No. Yeah, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, everyone, thanks for listening. You can find us at that place on Twitter. You can also find us at quarterto3.com. Duck into the forums. Uh, if it's before November first, no. When is the deadline for signing up for Secret Santa? Oh gosh, Santa? it
1: is in November, sometime in November.
0: Okay, so yeah, it's still you've still got plenty of September, plenty of October. Duck into the forum, find the thread, join us for the Secret Santa. It's it's a lot of fun, and you can um, you can discover some very surprising things in there. Uh, so check out our Secret Santa, uh, and we'll see everyone here next week.
1: Next, I think I'll teach him the mechanics of waltz.